got there eventually. <laughs> oh, Father, I thank you for um, my brother Rod. I thank you um, that he's here to speak this morning, despite all that he's had to deal with this week. Lord, I just pray your blessing on him. Holy Spirit, rest on him powerfully as he brings us your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears to be able to hear what it is you want to say through us. Uh, yeah, we're excited to hear from you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, thank you. You may be wondering what Chris was referring to. Um, Heather and I actually had to go to a funeral in Worthing on Friday, which meant, uh, thank you, which meant sort of three days out. Um, so it's, it's been a little bit hectic this week. Thinking, thinking of funerals, I cannot remember the last time I sang the song, Thy Word is a Lamp Unto My Feet. <laughs> Years and years ago, I don't know if I've ever sung it in, in what was New Life, Life Church before. I, I remember, I remember it well because uh, it was a chosen song at a funeral. Uh, and, and how the person that we were remembering wanted to know that God had guided them right the way through to the very end. Uh, and that was good. Uh, in stark contrast to the, the one that we had on Friday, which was totally humanist and without hope. But thank God that Jesus is alive. And we are not those who grieve without hope, but we have a, a, a hope and a future. And we praise God for that. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves of uh, continually. Right, we're looking at uh, the first temptation that Jesus uh, went through when he was led into the desert after his baptism. So two weeks ago, James uh, spoke about Jesus' baptism, how he'd gone to John, the the baptizer, and been baptized by him in the River Jordan. And one of the things that that James brought out, which was a, a fantastic truth, that as Jesus was declared to be the Son of God, so we are declared to be the children of God. And this morning... You, however you feel, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, you are a child of God if you've trusted in Jesus and he is your Lord and Saviour. You're a child of God. Isn't that amazing? And nothing's going to separate you from his love. And that was, that was the thing that the Father declared over Jesus. The Spirit came down on Jesus in the form of a dove and God said, you are my beloved son and I'm really pleased with you. And that's what he says to you. He does. But then, well, let's read what happened next. Matthew 4, verses, only four verses from Matthew this morning. Then, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we see how appropriate that song was. My word is a lamp unto my feet. What was Jesus quoting? Well, he was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8. First five verses. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 5, where Moses is speaking to the people of Israel and Moses says, 
Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness, wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether you're causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither knew you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. So immediately after Jesus was baptised, he was then led out by that Holy Spirit into the desert and there he was tempted by the devil. I want to show you something of the big picture before we hone it down onto what we can personally learn about this. Because what was happening here was a new beginning. Now look at this. I'm trying to explain this. And there's a lot to get through this one. I'm trying to explain this simply. Way back, the people of Israel had been held captive in Egypt. And God took them out. And they were faced with the barrier of the Red Sea. And God blew and he parted the waters. And they went through on dry land. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, that is referred to as a baptism. They were baptised, says Paul, into Moses. They came under his authority. It was like that beginning. And where did they go? They went out into the desert. And they were there 40 years. And eventually, they came into the promised land, the new beginning as the people of God. Ah, now look. Jesus came to John and he was baptised in the River Jordan. And then where did he go? Into the desert. Not for 40 years, but for 40 days. Oh, wow. And then what happened? When he came through that, it was a new beginning. He was paving the way for the new covenant through his life, through his death and his resurrection. Can you see the parallel? Israel, baptism, Red Sea, Desert, new beginning. Jesus, baptism, desert, new beginning. What is Matthew telling us here? He is saying that in Jesus, 
all that God planned, first of all with Israel, but Israel were not able to keep up and, and they let God down in so many ways. Jesus will fulfill all that God originally promised. Jesus will bring in the new people of God. Jesus will succeed where Israel failed. I'll leave it at that. But see what's happening here. That's Matthew's big picture. There's something great going on here. It's not accidental. It has purpose and meaning. Jesus fulfilling all that God wanted to do. So that's a new beginning. Now that's point number one. But Jesus was tempted by the devil and we're entering a recurring conflict here. Wow. Here's a, a yeah, we get warnings on food. I think this is an American thing. But we get warnings on food. You read the side of the packet. May contain peanuts. May have been made in a factory where nuts are present. So beware. May contain gluten. May contain lactose. Cig- cigarette smoking can damage your health. All the government warnings that are on the, the side. I'm going to give you this morning a spiritual health warning. And I'm quite serious, actually. I'm going to give you a spiritual health warning. Jesus went was baptised. Do you know, one of the other things that James said, which is absolutely true, that before his baptism, Jesus didn't know teaching, he worked no miracle, he didn't minister in every way. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could operate in the power of God. You say Jesus was God, yes, but actually the Bible tells us that the Son of God emptied himself The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And as a man, Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could minister in the way that God wanted him to minister. And I tell you what, folks, so do I and so do you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We certainly do. We do as Life Church. The church in general. Look at the state of the church in the UK and worldwide. We need a revival. We've actually sung about it this morning. We need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit and move out in power. That's what what the whole charismatic thing promised years and years ago. And I don't believe God has reneged on his promise. We need to be filled with the Spirit as Jesus was filled with the Spirit. But let me give you a warning. That is not the gateway to an easy life. We, I remember talking in a shop years ago. It was a, it was a Christian bookshop. And uh, some of the people knew and some of the people I didn't. You know how a group gathers and you started talking. And they say, well, what, what do you think about being baptised in the Spirit? I said, when I was baptised in the Spirit, that's when my problems began. <laughs> I'm not joking. Life did not get easy. And we'll look at that in a minute. But but 
We do need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened to Jesus? As soon as he was filled with the Spirit, he was tempted by the devil. It's almost as if on his side, Satan said, I'm going to let this happen. And if we're filled with the Spirit, that's, that's what the enemy could easily say to you. I'm going to let this happen. I'm going to nobble these people in the best way I can. So it's a recurring conflict. It's something that we have to face. And thirdly, there's a mysterious purpose here. You notice that in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Matthew, the Spirit led him out in order to be tempted by the devil. That's problematic, isn't it? What do we pray? Lead us not into temptation. <coughs> and here's the Holy Spirit who's just come upon Jesus, now taking him out. Why? Yes, he fasted for 40 days. Please don't ever try that. Without going into it, 40 could be a round number, but that, that doesn't matter. But please don't, don't try that. A group in Nigeria has tried it and it has led to many deaths. Whoa. But this is what Jesus did. He was out there praying, fasting and the enemy saw the opportunity but God knew about it. He led him into it. And you know, sometimes... Those difficulties, those, those temptations, God will never, ever, ever tempt you, but sometimes they're in the purposes of God to shape us and mould us and do us. This is, this is why I gave you the spiritual health warning. Interesting that the, the passage in Deuteronomy is all about God disciplining his people. Did Jesus need discipline? Of course he didn't, not in that sense. Jesus was tempted as we are, but he never did anything wrong. But he and the Father needed to work out their relationship. It wasn't an empty time, those 40 days. It was a time filled with Jesus and his Father working out the relationship and the ministry and what was going to go on. And we can, in that sense, call it discipline because it's part of discipleship. And sometimes, when we're filled with the Spirit, God will put us, allow us to be put into situations that will discipline us. Why? Because as Hebrews says, what does a good father do? A good father disciplines his children. A good father does not let his, and a mother as well, don't want to be sexist here, but you know what I mean, does not let the children run wild. Why? Because we know that when children have boundaries, they're safer. And we know that when children have good, godly, given boundaries, they grow up more balanced and healthy and secure. 
That's why Father disciplines us. Don't think that being filled with the Spirit lets you off that. I can tell you personally, I'm going into details, but I can tell you personally, and I'm absolutely true, when I was baptised in the Spirit, for the first few weeks, I thought, this is wonderful, I'm in heaven. And then the work began. And I met someone from, I met a, uh, someone I was with at school, and he, uh, at a school reunion some, a little while ago, and he said, oh, you're like this. And I said, no, I'm not. You're not? I said, no. I said, God's had to work on me. And he did. And he does. And he's still doing it. And, well, it's a new creation. Jesus didn't need to be that, of course. But you and I do. I'm becoming what I am. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And if you've trusted him, so are you. But God wants you to become what you are. A new creation. And man, that can be painful. That can be painful when he works on your emotions. That can be painful when he, he works on your thinking. But boy, the end is superb. And you're not going to get there in this life and neither am I totally. But one day we will, we will be as he is. So, it, that's God's mysterious purpose. That's the way it happens. What are you going through at the moment? Oh God, this is so awful. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what, why you're d allowing this to happen. I'll tell you why. One reason can be, my child, I'm making you to be what I really want you to be. And sometimes that's hard and that's tough. But I want you to enjoy me in a way that you're not now. And you may think, I don't really know what's going on. Remember this, what does that say? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Not some things, not many things, but in all things, God works works for your good. That doesn't mean that all things are good. What it means is that in all things, God works for your good. That can be hard to believe. And sometimes it's only as we look back, we say, oh yeah, that's what happened. And at the time we think, I haven't a clue what's going on here. And I don't understand. But then we can look back and say, surely God was in it.
don't know how he was, but I know he was. And here I am. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now there's a mysterious purpose here. Somebody, somebody said to me the other week, well, you only had two points. Didn't know you kept the two points. Well, I'm sorry, I've got five today. <laughs> so here comes number four. Ah, and here is the common strategy of the enemy. Ah, oh, Ukraine and Russia. What do we keep hearing about at the moment in the Ukraine war? It drops in and out of the news, doesn't it? But I only heard this morning that everybody's waiting to see what the Ukrainian uh, sort of offensive is going to be, what their, their strategy is going to be. And the Russians have been building up defences so that they can block whatever they think the uh, Ukrainians are going to do. It's a terrible situation. Please, folk, let's keep praying for, for this whole, whole thing. We need an end to the war. There are people that we know, and the people that we know of, and you talk to John as well, that in Ukraine, who are desperately hoping for the war to end. But thank God he's still at work in that situation. We praise God for that. But there are strategies here. And some of the strategies, I think, is, is dishing out information which actually doesn't uh, appear to be true. First casualty of war is truth, of course. And that's interesting because the first casualty, as far as Satan is concerned, is truth. Anyway, let's press on. There's a common strategy here from, from Satan, and beware. First, he's real. Do you know, in the West, we tend, and in the UK perhaps in particular, but in the West, we tend to ignore Satan. I think his biggest trick is to convince us that he doesn't exist. It's not rational, is it? Of course, you can go to other cultures. You can go to uh, African cultures, Asian cultures, or whatever, and, and it's, it's almost too real there. I tell you what, turning this positive at the moment, why did we see a healing in that Roman, communi uh, communi Roman community in Romania? Why? Because they live in the supernatural. The supernatural is not unnatural to them. And they, they are of a type that said, well, if God says it, that he can do it, he'll do it. Ah, oh, but we put all sorts of barriers up, don't we? What about this? What about that? What about the other? And we put up so many doubts, it doesn't happen. But, but they, they said, well, if God says he can heal, he'll heal. And of course, if, if demons are real, they're real. And so I know that Jonathan and Diana in, in Romania have seen demons driven out of people. And our Western mind says it's all psychological. I believe that's the first trick of the enemy to try and convince you he's not real. But he is. We don't fight against flesh and blood only, says Paul, but against spiritual powers in the heavenly realms. 
We fight against spiritual authorities. And our mind says, oh, we mustn't go overboard on that. And the enemy laughs. I've got them where I want them. He was real to Jesus. You can read commentaries where they say, well, if you fasted for so long, you might have psychological upset, and that's what happened to Jesus. No, no, no. Not when the Bible tells us that on the cross, eventually, Jesus disarmed the, spirit, the spiritual powers, making a public exhibition of them. He's a defeated foe, but he's still, a, he's still fighting like crazy. God protect us. And notice this, that one of his classic moves is to work on real need. Jesus was hungry. That was real. That wasn't fantasy. Jesus was hungry. And the enemy saw this, Satan saw this. Aha, you're hungry. Look at these little stones on the ground. I bet if you turn them into bread, these little stones would be a bit like the manna that the Israelites picked up from the ground in the desert. So you tell these stones, become bread. And in the desert, just like the people of Israel, you'll have manna, you'll have bread. He's working on a real need. And so he still does. Oh, I feel, I feel unwell. What is God doing? That's a real need. Oh, I'm short of money. How am I going to cope with this? It's a real need. Oh, I have this decision to make. Do I stay here? Do I move house? What do I do? It's a real need. I feel really fed up and depressed. It's a real need. And the enemy knows how to wheedle his way in and exploit that. Oh, yes, he does. Am I saying everything is of Satan? Of course I'm not. But that's what he does. And he's saying to Jesus here, you're hungry. I know that. Turn these stones into bread. And he'll work on a real need. Ah, oh, you can't trust that person. Oh, You'll never make the right decision. You're never going to get better. Because he challenges our security. Notice what he says. If you are the Son of God. Now look what happened. Jesus had just been baptised, well, 40 days previously, one assumes now, been baptised, the Spirit had come upon him in the form of a dove, and the Father had said, you 
are my beloved son. And what does the first word that the enemy says? If you are. Double meaning here, are you? Or, because you are, you can work selfishly for yourself. If you are God's son. That's nice, isn't it? And that's what the enemy will say to you. Are you sure you're a child of God? Are you sure you can trust God in this situation? Are you sure he's with you? Are you sure that he's really looking after you? He's he's challenging your security and he's undermining Father's care for you. Jesus, are you sure this is what your father wants? Surely you can do this. Your father can't really be caring for you in this way. That's what the enemy does. Is God really looking after me? Does he really care about me? If I was his daughter, if I was his son, would he not do other things for me? And that's what the enemy tries to do to undermine your sense of security and care that the that father has for you. And you say, well, there's the, there's the Bible, there's the scriptures. You know, God looks after me, God supplies all my needs. And, and the, the enemy will say, does he? He may have done last time, but are you sure he's going to do it now? You know, we could even face that as a church. Hi, you supplied all the money last time. I'm not sure you're going to do it the second time around. Yeah. Wow. So he offers a good solution, doesn't he? He offers a good solution. Speak to these... I'm going to walk past here. I'm avoiding it. (laughs) Speak to these stones and they'll become manna. They'll become bread. And you'll be able to pick them up off the ground. And guess what, Jesus? You won't be hungry anymore. And Satan easily offer us a good solution. Oh, don't, you, you do what you want to do. Don't worry about what other people think. You just do what you want to do. You sell up and move. That'd be fine. You do, you, you do that and you'll be okay. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry about the church. Oh, don't worry. You do what you want. Very very good solution. You won't have to worry anymore. And it, isn't, it, isn't it easy to do that? So easy that if we're facing an issue and you think, oh, that's what God wants, and if I neglect God, and then everything will be fine.
and it was a good solution. Inverted commas for Jesus. The easy way out. The selfish way out. It would have ruined his ministry, of course. And we hope, well, we trust that we don't take decisions that do that for us. How many failed leaders have said in a, in a compromising situation, oh, we'll be all right. Nobody will find out. And Satan says, enjoy. Enjoy. And then ministries come crashing down in ruins. And that can happen on a small scale as well. So there's common strategy that Satan has. And finally, there's a powerful defence. That time we got to defence, isn't it? We've been looking at, at what can happen to us. There's a powerful defence here. Look what Jesus does. First of all, he affirms all God's word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. Jesus was affirming the Old Testament as we know it. He was affirming that as the word of God. And there are good reasons for adding the New Testament to that, which I'm not going into now for obvious reasons of time and complication. But there are good reasons why this word is to be trusted. Jesus was affirming God's word. Here is our line of defence. It's the word of God. His word is a light to our feet. It is a lamp to our, our path. His word is what we rely on. So Jesus says, quoting from Deuteronomy, we're not to live by bread alone. That's what they learned, wasn't it? They were going through the desert. They were hungry. They were grumbling. And eventually, God fed them with the manna and the quails. And they had to realise, the people of Israel had to realise, yes, they needed physical food, but they needed also to depend upon God for, for fullness of life. And that is what Jesus is saying here. Your word is to be trusted, and what God says settles it. If God has said it, there's no argument. Now we could apply that to a myriad of things at the moment. Where we could say, this is what the word of God says. That settles it. We apply the word of God with compassion and grace, yes. But if that is what God has said... That's all that's necessary. Because if God has said it, who can argue with God? God says, don't do that. That's not what I want. It's not the best for you. That settles it. If God says, I can draw alongside you 
and I can heal you, that settles it. God says, trust me in this. I will lead you through it. That says it. It's all in here. God says it, that settles it. But notice, Jesus was obedient to what the word said. I'm not going to work for my selfish means, my selfish needs. I'm not going to do it just to please myself. I'm going to do, do this, I'm going to hang on because God says I shouldn't live by bread alone but by his word and so I'm going to be obedient. So let's not, let's not take the word of God loosely and then not do what the word of God says. Okay. So, we have a new beginning. We're in a recurring battle, conflict. God's mysterious purpose, a common strategy of the enemy. And we have a powerful defense. Know the word of God. Let me leave you with this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It's one of the reasons for the cross. It's one of the reasons for his ministry. It's one of the reasons for his resurrection. The devil is defeated. Jesus is victor. Folks, we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. We really are. I really feel, I really feel that there are folks who are in battles at the moment and, uh, I'll get rid of that, leave it at that. And that God wants to minister to us. Let's be quiet before going. I'm just, just trying to see here how we do this. Because I, I think we have, we have issues amongst us. Ordinary, ordinary parts of life. You know, the sort of things that get thrown at us. And, you know, there's illness. There are decisions to make. There are, it could be a myriad of things. And we really are just saying, God, I need your help. I need your help in this. I'm going to push the boat out here. I'm not sure I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to push the boat out. <laughs> Help. If you are fighting a particular battle at the moment, nobody needs to know what it is. I certainly don't. Nobody else does. But if you have a complicated thing, issue, a decision to make, something to battle, I'd like you to stand. I could say I don't care if nobody stands, but I don't think that would be the case. I really believe that. I just, just feel 
Just stand. I know that makes us very conspicuous. And it's not nice being conspicuous, is it? And this, this, is, this is tough. I feel like the person at the airport. Last, last call. Right. Now, I'd, I'd like you to physically stretch out your hands. And I want you to imagine that you're receiving, again, the gift of the Spirit and all that He brings. His power, his peace, his purposes, his healing, his cleansing, his renewing. And let's just say in our hearts, Lord, we receive these from you. Please stay standing. And if those who are sitting now have a f real feeling of anointing upon them to go and minister to someone, please do that now. When I say, if you just feel that urge in your heart, in your being, I could ask everybody else to stand, but I just feel there are some people who've got something on them now who'd like to go and pray with someone. If you do that, please do that now. You know you can. Yes, you can. You don't have to be, think you're powerful in ministry. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. It depends on the Holy Spirit. There's more. Okay. Right. Now, lots of you haven't got anybody with them. That doesn't matter. You, nobody's come and stood with you. That doesn't matter. We're just praying now come Holy Spirit into those situations where folks have walked out and are praying for folks. Just do that, Lord. Now, will those who are committed here, and if you're a visitor, you may join in. If you don't, please don't worry. But if you're a visitor, I'd like you now to stand and stretch out your hand to those who are standing and let's pray for them generally. Everybody can do that. And walk over if you if you like, but please just do that. Let's have a real bit of body ministry here. And let's just come and pray. And please pray in tongues, pray in English, whatever. We don't need to know what, what people are standing for. That's not the issue. But we just want the Holy Spirit to fall on people and anoint them in such a new way that Lord you come and solve problems, that you heal bodies, that you restore spirits, that, Lord, you come and refresh people in every single way. Lord Jesus, will you come by the Holy Spirit now and do a new thing in the hearts of all those who've stood before you and, indeed, Lord, in all our hearts because we all need you. We need you very much, Lord. Oh, God, we need you so much.
just move through this building, Lord. I pray that you'll move along the roads. I pray that you'll touch individual lives. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with those who are standing and those who are sitting. There is no distinction. We all need the Lord Jesus. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Will you come? Oh, of your people. Lord, we're not into emotionalism, we're into reality. And we want you to do something amongst us, Lord. We need you. We need you for the building. We need you for outreach. We need you to reach this area. We need you to reach Beckles and beyond. God, we need you as people. We need you as elders. We need you as musicians and worship leaders. We need you as, as children's workers. The children need you. We need you. We all need you, Lord. And we say, please come and do a new thing amongst us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.